Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis, and I'm talking with our very own local Latina newswoman, Jackie Orozco. Jackie is a first-generation Mexican-American. She has been an anchor reporter in many states, including Minnesota, Tennessee, Idaho, Florida, and now Ohio. Jackie's work in Florida earned her an Emmy nomination in Best Team Coverage. Bienvenida al estudio, Jackie, and congratulations on all of your career um, Tra trajectory. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, tell us about yourself. Uh, what was it like to grow up in Chicago? Well, growing up in Chicago, we grew up in a little town uh, called Cicero. So it's like right in the south side of Chicago. And you, we were considered middle class, lower middle class. And uh, my parents migrated from Guadalajara, Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just wanted a better life uh, for us. And so at first, my mom didn't uh, work a lot because four kids. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. And in the neighborhood, it was uh, mostly Mexicans mm -hmm. and um, a lot of gang activity and, uh, you know, poverty there. And we somehow was able to avoid all of that, mostly because of our, our siblings, and we were kind of afraid of our parents' <laughs> curfews and, and things like that. So uh, it was it was a little rough, and um, we've seen drive-by shootings and mm. things like that and, and drugs. And we have uh, we know friends that, even from school, that joined gangs and things like that. So we were just mostly focused on, uh, on just on our education because that's what our, our parents kind of just ingrained cause, mm -hmm. uh, because my father, he didn't uh, finish – His, it, he has like a fifth, sixth grade education. Mm -hmm. And then my mom, she uh, finished maybe freshman year of high school. So uh, they just wanted, they like, they wanted their kids to do so much better than what they've done. So we were, we managed to stay away from all the, the riffraff, you could say. And you grew up um, speaking Spanish and English. Correct? Yes, yes. Uh, it was funny because my mom, um, she would always say, yo quiero que, que, que aprendan inglés y todo eso. And my dad's like, van a aprender inglés en, en la escuela. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad's like, they'll learn English in school. So she would always, because she would always try to put Sesame Street on at home <laughs> and stuff. She's like, and my dad's like, no, at home we speak only Spanish. So, um, and with our siblings, like if we're having a, like a family conversation where I'll speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. But uh, typically then when we have a conversation with our siblings, we just speak in English. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just because we're more Americanized. Right. But yeah, so, but every time, yeah, just talking to my parents and uncles and aunts, it's, it's always Spanish. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, what led you to a career um, in journalism? And who were your role models? It's funny you say that. Mm -hmm. Uh I, in journalism, I didn't really have any role models because that wasn't my first career choice. Mm. Uh, oh. <laughs> when I went to University of Illinois, 
because at that time, my older brother, he was in Stanford because he already knew he wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so my dad's like, OK, so she's going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But because in the in the Mexican family, they, that's all they think in careers. <laughs> it's just lawyers or doctors. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, well, I was good in biology and I, I had great grades. Uh, I had a full scholarship um, uh, because of my academics and my uh, uh, athletic career in track and cross country. Mm-hmm. So my parents didn't pay anything uh, at U of I. So when I went, I first majored in pre-med and then um, I thought it was it was fine. I just didn't have that passion. Mm-hmm. So then when I was looking for um, a just like a little side job just so I could have some money for food and things like that, I saw a flyer um, on the quad that they needed help uh, for the local radio station. So I was like, okay, well, let me go check it out. And they had different positions, and they paid, I think it was like six, seven bucks an hour or something. One was, uh, if you want to be an engineer, stuff breaks down. I'm like, no, I don't want to get dirty. (laughs) Another one was, um, you know, if you want to be a disc jockey, and I didn't really like the music at that at that particular station. I was like, no. And and it was funny because I was about to leave the meeting, and then they said we're also looking for reporters. And I was like, okay, well, what does a reporter have to do? And they're like, well, if you like to get involved in the community, know what's going on, you like to write and work with equipment, you know, this could be for you. So I'm like, all right, well, let me try it out since I do like to write, and, and I am a little nosy because of my mom. <laughs> So I tried it out and I really liked it. And I'm like, okay, well, let me take some journalism classes to see if I really like it. And uh, the professors there were great. John Paul, he, I would say he was my inspiration Mm -hmm. uh, because he was in in TV there and his whole career. And then he uh, became a professor at U of I. And he really inspired me to just really go into the career path because there's something he would say, if you don't love what you do, then you're not going to really feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And he said, even starting out in this career, he's like, if you're in here because you think it's the TV glam and for the money, well, you're in you're in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, that's why a lot of people didn't uh, make it in or break it into the business mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, I'm getting paid peanuts and I have to do ten different jobs. So. Um, once I did that and I changed my careers, let's just say uh, dad wasn't too happy. Yeah, I was going to say, what was your parents' reaction? <laughs> oh, no hay doctora. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, my dad was just like, um, periodismo, que es eso? Es eso una carrera? I'm like, yeah, dad, you watch the news every day. It's what you see. Oh. And so they never really think that as a career. Mm-hmm. My mom's like, well, whatever makes you happy. She's always very supportive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. We still have underrepresentation of people of color in the media. Tell us about your experience as a Latina reporter and news anchor um, in the different states that you've worked. Well, my first job in Austin, Minnesota. Yep, I was the only uh, Hispanic uh, Mm -hmm. working there. And I always try to push for uh, stories that affect our community. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising because the majority of the community, everywhere you look, there are a lot of Latinos Mm -hmm. everywhere you see. So uh, that's what I always tried for. And it was difficult at times because when you're talking to your bosses, Mm -hmm. like this is, you know, these are the stories that are impacting community. They just see one spectrum. They're like, you know, because what they're surrounded in their communities. Mm -hmm. So I would say it was difficult. Also, when I went to Boise, Idaho, lots of Latinos there, too, because Mm -hmm. a lot of folks move from California to Boise, Idaho. Mm -hmm. 
And in, in Idaho, we actually started our first uh, kind of like a, like TV Azteca, Telemundo. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was the only, because I kept pushing mm-hmm. uh, for that. And I said, you know, the, the community here is so large. We're, we're not really serving the community out here. So and uh, I was able to it was just me just anchoring. And it was like a, a quick little 10 minute of the top stories. And then it's just a little bit of tease of you want more you know you have to go to the english channel Mm -hmm. but it was at least something they had something because a lot of latinos i feel like me growing up i mean we watch the news all the time Mm -hmm. so i but i felt like it was just so important to have the local stories what Mm -hmm. is going on because i just feel like they just know what's going on in their home countries or or, Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. in other world news but they don't know what's going on in their backyard so i just thought it it was just very important and then Memphis, uh, I was the only bilingual or Latina reporter even there for because we kind of covered three states like Arkansas, Mississippi and Mm. Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So, again, I did. And there were Latinos everywhere. So I I try to do a lot of that. So Florida was a little different because there are a lot of Cubanos and (laughs) and Puerto Ricans. But um, and and same thing here. Uh, A lot of people have told me when I moved here in Columbus that they haven't seen no, uh, one. yeah mm-hmm. a, a latino report, which blows my mind because mm-hmm. when i first moved here i was like oh wow this is a large latino population yeah. here so. which says something because you've come from chicago and from florida right and most <laughs> people that come for from places like that they're like oh there's not a lot of latinos but it, it's a lot about um where you're involved like how you choose to engage with the community right mm-hmm. um i like that you say that um it, so your experience in, in, in as a news reporter, as, uh, as an anchor, um, as probably the only Latina, um, has allowed you to bring those stories of the people from our own community, right, mm-hmm. into the forefront of, of the news, or maybe at least make um, producers um, think about what stories are being left out, right, or what community mm-hmm. is not being served. So, so many ways to integrate who you are into the workspace. Not only uh, you are the first, right, in many ways, but you're also bringing those stories um, to, the, to, to us, to, to the, the rest of the, the, the town. Yeah, and, and there was one in particular, I won't say which station it was, but um, their a news director, he would get upset with me because I would always try to pitch uh, stories that, you know, the, there's undocumented families struggling here mm-hmm. or, or, you know, different types of stories. Mm-hmm. And he said in, in cause we would have our uh, every morning meetings. Uh, meetings. Yeah. The editorial meetings of what we're going to cover, what was important. And I wouldn't pitch stories all the time, but here and there, but he, it was one day he was really upset and he said, there are no effing um, Mexicans here. Stop pitching uh, right. Hispanic stories. Right. And if anything, that motivated me to do even more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it hasn't been easy, but uh, it's just it's, it's difficult when you work in the in the English market. Right. Right. Um, so you're a bilingual uh, uh, Latina. Have you done pieces in Spanish besides that 10 minute uh, sort of teaser <laughs> that you said um, you did and, and Boise? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've done uh, stuff in on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, also in, in Idaho when I was there. And before in college, I also did uh, Voz de America mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C. I was a reporter there and I did uh, just the that was like kind of my, my first grasp of Spanish news. Mm-hmm. And I worked with 
producers and, and former reporters. I worked with Telemundo and Univision, the mm-hmm. networks. So I really uh, had a, a good grasp of what it was. I just never really wanted to go to the Spanish because the Spanish market because I felt like I wouldn't stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you blend in, everyone's the same. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we needed it to be in the English market to really uh, make our voices shine. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why I didn't really go to the to the Spanish side. But it's totally different, too, because when you also see the Spanish news, sometimes I feel like it is more of, you know, who's wearing what. And I was just <laughs> going to ask you about that experience. Yeah. How is it different working with uh, maybe uh, English-speaking mm-hmm. news um room uh, versus a um, Spanish-speaking one so yeah I, I just appearance feel, yeah appearance is one and I feel like we do more serious stories uh, in English as well so Spanish was just more fun y los chismes mm-hmm. and you know things like that so I, I wanted to do stories that will actually impact people's lives mm-hmm. so and I remember one producer that worked um, in the Telemundo uh, chain in, in Miami he said that a lot of the bosses would even require reporters or anchors to come in at work only wearing skirts or dresses. Mm. They weren't allowed to come in with, with How pants How did they get on. away with that, And especially in the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was a few years ago. I don't know how it is now, but and, and that just made me kind of just a little shocked. I was like, wow, you can't, that's more important than what you're actually covering. It's what you're wearing. So mm-hmm. I, I was very turned off by that. So that's why I stuck with the English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, in Bo- Boise, Idaho, uh, you did undercover investigative work about undocumented immigrants trying to make life um, a life here in the U.S. What did you personally learn from this experience, and what type what type of findings were you able to report as a result of this work? It actually reminded me of a lot of people from my family and mm-hmm. from people that I know, friends. Um, I just wanted the the entire community to know to the, the city to know what our people are going through uh there uh, the story was uh this man um he had uh four kids and all the ki- all his kids were were born here in the United States and there was a congressman trying to pass a a, a strict bill to basically um not allow them to get some sort of ID and uh and, and and basically allow the the ice raids easier mm-hmm. uh and they were basically living in fear and it was something similar and that happened in Arizona mm-hmm. and they and I remember interviewing that congressman and he says it doesn't cost us anything to get rid of them as mm-hmm. if we were rats mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was a lot of tension and uh I, I concealed the family's identity and and just interviewing the the like his son his, I remember his uh, nine-year-old son he was just uh shocked because he's like every time I come home from home uh from school I worry if my my dad's going to be home or not or is he going to be you know, mm-hmm. back in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And he, they've been there for 25 plus years. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of people don't know that, 
you need to have money to mm-hmm. get papers. There's actually my, my aunt in Mexico. She's been uh, it's almost 20 years now trying to come here the legal way. Mm-hmm. It's just the backlogs. And, mm-hmm. and people always think, oh, they're all just trying to come here mm-hmm. un, uh, illegally and, and break the laws. It's like, well, no, it, it's actually dangerous if you try to do that with right. Los Coyotes You're and everything like that. Completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it's just so hard, and but people are in, in such desperate need of of jobs and just a better life, and you know they're trying to escape crime and, and gangs, so they can't live there. So you could just see from their desperation, they will risk their lives to come to a, a better place. How well received was this story, and when did it air? How did it air? Mm-hmm. Um, or did you write about it? Yeah, yeah, I, I I wrote about it, and uh, it, it aired. It was like our, our big sweeps piece, and. Um, Oh, a, a lot of people, a lot of feedback. There was a lot of negative comments, mm-hmm. too. Uh, just a lot of people that are uh, will always be in their ways. They're like, come the legal way. If not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, don't don't come here at all. So uh, it was it was mostly positive. But there was still there's always going to be that negative mm-hmm. feedback. So was the community um, in some way uh, thankful that you um, cover this and that you um Put the story out. Um, I remember an elderly couple just commenting on uh, on our web story because we would have the the web uh, video up there mm-hmm. as well. And she said it was an eye opener. She's like, I had no idea. I don't really know any Latinos in my life, and I it gave them a a human face, mm-hmm. a human perspective. Mm-hmm. And she just said, thank you for, she's like, I don't agree with everything that they're doing mm-hmm. be, uh, because then a lot of them they always say, well, they're not paying taxes. Well, they do pay taxes. Mm-hmm. So that's another misconception mm-hmm. that a lot of folks have. And But I, I felt very humbled when that woman, and she was like a woman, she looked like she was in her 60s. Mm-hmm. And she just said, you know, just thank you for uh, allowing us to see what is actually going on that, that's not necessarily in her neighborhood. Right, right. Um, I assume that you've uh, had to report different types of stories in each state. Um, For example, hurricanes in Florida. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, What are some of the most memorable moments so far or some of the most memorable stories that you've covered? Well, one that I I will never forget um, is when I covered the Pulse uh, massacre in in Orlando. Mm -hmm. That's the one where we had... um, we got an, an Emmy uh, a recognition for that, and I remember it was, and it was like a trifecta of, of things that happened because Friday night, uh, a, a woman from The Voice, she was a, a singer, mm-hmm. she was there in Orlando, uh, an obsessed fan shot and killed her. Mm. So we already had national media in Orlando, and then Saturday night was a Pulse Massacre. And then Sunday afternoon was when an alligator ate a two-year-old boy at Disney World. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I said it was a trifecta of, of things the going on of all this national news. But I remember specifically in Pulse, um, I didn't have to uh, work that day. And uh, my husband was actually working in Tampa and anchoring. And I was sound asleep. It was like maybe 2.30, 3 o'clock. But he had to leave really early to anchor the morning news. So I, I I woke up to his phone call and he's like, oh, um, did you check your work phone? And I was like, no, I haven't. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's 10 missed calls. My bosses were calling me. Everybody mm-hmm. was calling me because all of this was happening and it happened around two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I got, I rushed, I got ready and I just, I just went. And when I, I got there, uh, we were one of the first ones on the scene 
and just interviewing the moms that that's I always feel like that's the hardest part of the job when it's something very Mm -hmm. tragic because Mm -hmm. you're still there to do your job but you have to sympathize with them Mm -hmm. and you have to put yourself in their position so because you don't want to be aggressive and shove a camera and a microphone in their face I remember one particular mother she was still texting her son while he was still in the nightclub this was before the officers were able to even get inside and you know, I, I was just talking to her like I was her friend. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is he OK? Uh, what's the last thing he said? And she's just like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I haven't heard from him. I'm, I'm afraid. I, I hope he could comes out. He comes out OK. Mm-hmm. And later on, we found out in that day he was one among among killed, mm-hmm. uh, 49 killed. So it was it was just very heartbreaking, heartbreaking when you have to interview all those people and you see. And a lot of times I don't you you just embrace. Mm-hmm. I, I just started hugging people mm-hmm. and they just start talking because that's a sense of relief for them. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically too, I hear, I heard the, the, the explosion go off when the police went through the wall, uh, the backside to try to get as many people out. So it just gives you chills. And then even the press conference, um, <clears throat> when the police chief was there and the governor and everybody. And, and when they announced the number of how many people were dead mm-hmm. we were like you heard this is like national media like it was maybe like 50 60 70 reporters and just photographers everybody just went oh. mm-hmm. it was just shocking so that's something i, I just never never forget mm-hmm. so i would say that's probably the most impactful and memorable uh, it's a story that you'll just never forget because it was right. the most difficult to do as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um can you think about um sort of the different stories that you've been able to cover in different states? Like what is, what is, um, and we just talked about Florida, but what is mm, reporting in Tennessee like? What is the reporting in, in Idaho or in um, what other states you've Memphis, been? Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How, uh, or, or, and now that you've been in Ohio for a year. Oh, my. I have to, have to go back through my Rolodex to see all the <laughs> stuff. Um Memphis was was interesting. Uh, I did a lot of fun stories. Uh, There's just so so much uh, music and 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 uh, mm-hmm. fun. So and Beale Street and things like that, and there a lot of interesting characters. Uh, definitely makes uh, Memphis. And I'm trying to think one that I I know I'm, I'm trying to I'm bringing like all these sad stories, but. <laughs> Uh, one that was difficult also for me to do, our, our meteorologist had passed away mm-hmm. and um, he had he was fighting uh, a disease and it was just we and everybody knew him in, in town like mm-hmm. our viewers loved him. He was there for many, many years and uh, they told me to do a, like a dedication piece. Mm-hmm. And so it was very hard to uh, fight back the tears towards mm-hmm. the end. And uh, we dedicated you know, a few stories just about him and, uh, and never forget his name's Mark. And he, he was just like such a charismatic guy. And you just never knew that he was, uh, fighting this rare illness. And so, uh, that, that was difficult. And then a story I remember doing, um, I believe it was, I think it was Memphis too. We, we helped veterans, mm-hmm. uh, build a new VFW mm-hmm. because they didn't have any funds and they showed us like they would all just older guys they would like to meet somewhere and they're like well 
you know, we just don't have money to make repairs or, or even get a new building. But, you know, this is just what we do. And it was just a story of of how these guys just continue to do all this volunteer work because they helped high school kids and younger kids Mm -hmm. with their homework and things like that while the roof was Mm semi-leaking. And so after my story aired, we had Home Depot, uh, other construction companies that just wanted to, they donated all this stuff Mm -hmm. and, and, and the work. And so they, they just repaired it and, the veterans were in tears that we were the fact that we brought this up. Right. Uh, people just wanted to get back. Yeah. So those are positive stories, too. Right. Uh, Minnesota I was there uh, a short time. Austin, Minnesota. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's known for spam. So uh, capital is spam if you ever had spam. So they have a nice museum there as well. I, I was there for, for a good nine months. I remember one time, actually, uh, it was so cold. The diesel fuel of the semis were freezing and we were reporting on, on how cold it was. So, and when I was trying to go live, my photographer kept whipping the cables so it wouldn't freeze. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember doing very cold stories in right. Minnesota, <laughs> but then again, I'm in Ohio. So right. right. No, but it's a big difference from Minnesota. I, I've been there and I have friends that live there and they, it's very, very cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and here in, in Columbus, uh, I mean, I've done such a variety of, of stories too. And uh, so so many favorites, but just a recent one. Uh, I just interviewed my my good friend Laid. It mm-hmm. was our first time uh, voting uh, mm-hmm. as as an American. So it it's just 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 those stories since we just had the midterm elections mm-hmm. and uh, just a lot of those personal stories, those little nuggets you try to find here in the community and just try to highlight. So right. Mm-hmm. So you um, so you're a news anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you miss like going out into the field and, and reporting? Oh, we do both. you do both. I okay. do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, because I, I anchor on Good Day Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday and Sunday, 5 a.m., 10 a.m. Tune in. <laughs> <laughs> and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, I report. So, okay. Okay. yeah. And, and I, I do like to do both because uh, you get out there in the community and just meet all sorts of different people. And then uh, on the weekends. Yeah, it's just more a little bit more, kind of of like a GMA mm-hmm. fun style. We mm-hmm. have people come. And that's another thing, too. I like to bring uh, small businesses uh, mm-hmm. onto our show and just uh, highlight what they're doing right. in the community. So and and again, I've been told that I that a lot of Latinos haven't had that opportunity right. to have that a TV stage. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been they've been thanking me for that. And, and I, I love you know, bringing them on. And I, I talked about the nonprofit called uh, Mariposas. Mm-hmm, yes. and, mm-hmm. I, and I had them on and, and just like little things like that. I, I feel like the community just needs to know about. Right, right. Um, so you've been in Ohio for a year now. What have you learned about your, our community? It's very loving and embracing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everywhere I go, uh, people do recognize me. Uh, I, I try to, uh, you know, meet as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm just so overwhelmed with how many Latinos are mm-hmm. out here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is like home because mm-hmm. when I was in Florida, maybe because it was very touristy and um, kind of just like transient city, people mm-hmm. just go there for a few years and then they move. 
Um, but here I feel like it's, it's just very homegrown mm-hmm. and people have been here so many, so many years mm-hmm. and I just, I just feel the love here. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just very happy and, and just, uh, and I do like the seasons. I know people are like, why did you leave Florida? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's like, oh, it's an oven 24 <laughs> seven. Sometimes. Humid. Oh. Yeah. Humid. It's not, you know, I like to have good hair days too. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And your husband is also, also a reporter. Yeah. An anchor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also. Yeah. Yeah, and funny, we, we met in Memphis, and he's also from Chicago. Oh, great. So <laughs> it's just funny, like, and I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, Jackie, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience today about you, about the work that you do, or maybe future plans? Um, oh, so much to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really also want to say, especially if there are young listeners uh, out there, that's why I like to speak with a lot of the high school kids that I know it's always cliche that you're living the American dream and mm-hmm. things like that. But I, I really hope that our young generation really strives for what they, they, they love to do and have that passion. And it's not, and I don't want them to be in a box like how I grew up. Mm-hmm. It was doctor, lawyer, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's also not always all about the money either. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they do something what they really care and and, and that they're passionate about. And, and education is literally the key mm-hmm. because without that, so many doors close. And especially when we live in, in this type of environment, this you know, political divide of everything, I feel like if you're just not armed with the with the right tools, no- yeah, yeah mm-hmm. with knowledge and, and education, you're just going to be lost mm-hmm. and with you know social media and just like little things we just get kind of warped in that bubble and you need to see things in the bigger picture Mm -hmm. so that's why I try to speak with them a lot because sometimes when I I speak with um, some young girls and I'm like oh do you know what you you know what do you want to be or do you want to go to college some of them say I don't want to go to college Mm -hmm. or others say oh I want to do hair for a living it's not a bad choice but you have to also have other options Mm -hmm. and just open yourself up or people like oh I want to do nails for a Mm -hmm. living things like that just have more of a variety and really test yourself and and don't be scared Mm -hmm. that's the other thing I mean I didn't know I wanted to be broadcast journalist (laughs) or reporter Mm -hmm. so it it, it, that's why you just have to do internships and and just really till you find what what you love Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and you know, um, that's why everybody always asks my mom, like, how she how she did it with the four kids. Because my, my brother, he's a lawyer in Dallas. He's mm-hmm. just a year older than me. And he went to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister, she's actually uh, getting her doctorate degree in, at Stanford right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. for sociology. And then my little brother, he works for a corporation in Chicago. So we all just tried. We're just, we're, I think we're also very competitive. Mm-hmm. So, um and we, we just got a lot of inspiration from, from our parents and their struggles of how they lived mm-hmm. when, they, when they were in Mexico. And my dad always says, if you only knew all the stories I did. And he's like, <laughs> bendije Latina cuando tenía seis años and all this stuff. So he, trust me, they ingrained of how much they suffered so we could be here. So that, that's kind of just my message for uh, just a younger generation, especially, and don't forget where you come from either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jackie, qué suerte tenemos de tenerte aquí en Ohio ahora. Esperamos que esta sea tu casa por muchos años. Uh, gracias por esta entrevista. 
Oh, muchas gracias a usted. Gracias por la invitación. Uh, a todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. 